0: Wrestling Network. Shake hands, throw the streamers. Welcome back to this month's episode of Your Home for Everything Classic Ring of Honor Wrestling. It is the Pod of Honor. I am your co-host Scott Criscillo. Hi, everybody. Uh, I love doing this show. I love doing all my shows, but I love doing this show too. Number one, because my co-host is awesome, and secondly, I love the content. And we have a fun topic this month. And we may have a good surprise for next month. Mm-hmm. Talk about that in a moment. But let me bring in uh, my co-host. He's a, also my compadre over at Place Me Nation's main event. And he's on a, a myriad of other shows, both here and across the hall over at the NOSO. Good evening, Steve, Alla, which is Willie.
1: Hello. How's everyone doing, listening? If, if you hear the earth shaking on this podcast... Uh, That is my, I'm in my basement taping, and there is no other adult human being home, and someone is jumping up and down and running across the floor, so any banging, you're not having an earthquake. That is just me.
0: Are you saying that there's a super kick party at your house?
1: I think there is a super kick party, except they're super kicking the floor. (laughs) It's ah. like slapping their thigh. It's like slapping your thigh. Oh, yeah. It's you like the rock t- it's like the rock Only punches. reverse. It's the reverse of it.
0: <laughs> the rock punches. Anyway. <laughs> Hello, Steve. Always Hello. Uh, it's awesome. Uh so for those that have not jo- have never heard this have not heard this show before, uh, welcome. It's good to have you. Uh this show is not episodic, so you don't have to you don't have to stop here and go back to the first episode. We started our first episode back in oh god, February, I think it was the first episode. Um so it is not episodic. So it's not like uh, you know, um, like the place to be podcast or anything like that. So you may continue to listen to this one, and then when we're done here, uh, go back to the archive at place and check out all the previous episodes because they were all pretty great. Uh, we talk classic Ring of Honor wrestling. I've wanted to do this show, this topic, forever. And then the one good thing Tony Khan has done with his money, one of the one, one thing he has done with his money that's good, he bought ROH. And has the library. So uh, Watch ROH is much easier to maneuver and actually have than Honor Club, with which Steve does not allow us to discuss. So I must uh, – anything involving – any to- any conversation involving Honor Club is in abeyance. Um, so.
1: Can they, uh, they just, like, get the – did they get, like, a pile of DVDs with the sale? <laughs> like, can they just, like – have, Why, because you
0: I, want to sell yours and you hope there's none around?
1: No, I'm just like, <laughs> can they give, like, some intern or, like, I don't know, Brian Danielson's children, the DVDs, to just upload to a computer and then put them on the Honor Club? Can Like, is that so much to ask? Right. <laughs> it's, like, years. Yeah, if, you need, there's, if you need to edit out the themes, edit out the themes, that's cool.
0: Um. Yeah, because obviously not everything is on is on the uh honor uh you know the watch the honor watch ROH, Uh the honor app, honor plus, whatever they want to call it. Anyway. Uh but it does give us the opportunity to watch uh some great um some great classic Ring of Honor wrestling and finally gives me the opportunity to do a show about classic ROH. And we have a couple surprises that we uh will announce at the end of the show. Um two guys that, one guy here in the PTB family and another guy who is an alumni of the PTB family who hopefully will be on our next show. So we'll announce that. Uh, I'll talk about that at the end. Uh, so this month, uh, I think this was a topic that that I mentioned to Steve, uh, I think after our last episode of Place Me Nation's main event, which of course is another tremendous show that Steve and I are on, of course, with The Godfather, Nate Milton. Um if you're listening to this in its premiere airing, happy Sunday! Uh, we will have an episode of Main Event later this week where we'll be previewing AEW All In in London and Emergence. There's a there's a uh, Impact show Sunday night in Toronto, Toronto. Um, so, uh, so we'll do that's this, that's if you're listening if you're listening to this like years later, then don't worry about it. But but uh, anyway, so we were talking about. I think we were talking about the G1 Climax. Is that what it was, I think? Yeah, I think we were. Yeah, yeah, and I said, oh, I said, Steve, I think a great topic for our next episode of the POH is the greatest crossover matches between Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that is tonight's topic. Steve Aloysius Willie picked four matches throughout the annals of ROH history where we did a crossover with new japan pro wrestling and uh we go as early as 2004 and as late as 2015 um we also have some info from one of the one of our dearest friends and a guy who knows quite a bit about both promotions ring of honor and new japan pro wrestling i think we all i think you all know who we're talking about we'll get to him in a minute um well let's do this let's bring let's not bring him on he's not on the show of course we're talking about A PTB alumnus, alumnus, and of course, he was the the voice of Ring of Honor. He is the voice, at least the American voice, of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And of course, he's the voice of CM Punk's personal show, AEW Collision. Um, We're, of course, talking about Mr. Kevin Kelly. Um, Kevin, I talked to this week, first time I talked to him in a while. We love Kevin to death, of course. Used to host the Kevin Kelly show here on the PTB Wrestling Network back in the day. Um... You, Steve Aloysius Willie, were asking about where the genesis of this arrangement began. So you wanted me to ask uh, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, and I did. And Kevin uh, Kevin uh, Kelly was very nice because we're good friends and we love Kevin to death. And Kevin will be joining us in the future. That was my announcement since I'm talking about it now. Kevin will be joining us in the future for a future episode of Pot of Honor. He definitely wants to come on. Maybe September. Maybe. But we're shooting, worst case scenario, we're shooting for October. We're hoping to have him maybe on for September show. But we'll see. One of the next two months, we're hoping to have KK on for whatever topic we think of. So you wanted to know, Steve Aloysius, Willie, about the genesis of the arrangement. Yeah. So I asked Kevin, and this is what he said. Quote, Rocky, meaning Romero, and Tiger Hattori asked to meet. Delirious and I met them in New York City for dinner, and we knew right away this would be great for Ring of Honor. Of course, Joe Coff didn't want to do it, but we wouldn't relent. And he said, "Quote: Cough only cared about TV and didn't think New Japan guys would make a difference." Clearly, he changed his mind over time. That what was your because of that.
1: Well, first of all, I, I'm sure Brad Woodling was the one who went over and talked to Joe Koff because they're longtime, close personal friends. <laughs> um, it was. I, I was. I had no idea. This was really interesting to me because, like, the first match we're going to do is like well before any of this happened, but it was quick in that they really started this relationship in 2014 and all of a sudden there were like several events that happened pretty darn quickly and then each year from there they expanded it even more even going as far to europe and doing like a three show um like three day show in the uk cross promotion mm-hmm. which is kind of when people started seeing will osprey so this relationship between ring of honor and new japan in a way started the entire aew process going because that's when you started seeing uh you know guys like the bucks more mm-hmm. often in ring of honor later on cody getting involved and then kenny getting involved and them having that association between the two companies um really built them both up and then eventually you know, kind of became the genesis for AW and the relationship that they have with New Japan. It was intriguing right. to me that now I it wasn't intriguing that Rocky was involved because uh, Rocky Romero has always kind of been the intermediary between New Japan and uh, ROH. Uh, right. He's he's been going back and forth there since, gosh, the time period of our first match, like '04 at least. He was, he was like Black Tiger and. Um, have, had like a bunch of different partners. I mean, will see two of his tag team partners just in these four matches we picked alone. Uh, mm-hmm. But I thought it was interesting and that it was Delirious, who I know is the head Booker, but um, and Kevin that were the ones that were involved. Like I thought it was going to be like like your Joe Coff or something like that. But they, right. they kind of did it on the down though. I I know at that point like wasn't Kevin at, like front office a bit at that time at some point around then he was working full time for Ring of Honor because there was a while he yeah. was kind of like splitting his time
0: right yeah I think so we can get we'll get more into that yeah you know when when we get Kevin on within the next couple months I we'll get we'll we'll get his uh, history and of course if you want any if you want to listen to any of his when he was there at the time please head to our archive and check out past episodes of the Kevin Kelly show here on the PTB Wrestling Network it was uh, JR and Kevin and occasionally uh, uh, Dan McGinn, who of course they spun off to the Joni loves Chachi of podcasts, the Steve Carino show. Um, the, I wonder the, if Steve I thought, Carino remembers Dan McGinn. I thought you were going to pop for that, Steve, when I said <laughs> <laughs> it's a place in Chicago.
1: Um, oh
0: yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so he'll—I'm sure he had some say, and it—it was not—it was not—it was not. It was not, it was not uh, there was there was no negatives to the to the process to to the whole theory or scenario of of having an arrangement new japan really came into its own in the early 2000s because you have to remember the 90s was all about all japan and the pillars so it was all about what misawa and uh Kobashi, Kawada, Kibashi. Kawe. Was Hashimoto one of the pillars? Or was he New Japan?
1: No. He's New Japan.
0: Yeah. Um, who the fuck were the pillars? Uh, Misawa, Kobashi. Kawada. Kawada. Kawe,
1: and um, yeah. Akiyama.
0: Like, for instance, there's, if there's you...
1: four, if, but...
0: Yeah, if you go through the 90s of Dave's five-star matches, I think, like, 305 of them have those four guys in it in some capacity. Yeah. He was all about all Japan in the 90s. But by the 2000s, when, when Baba passed away and All Japan kind of disintegrated, New Japan kind of took the slot in, I would say. So I would say the reason that the arrangement was so good, Steve, is because obviously Ring of Honor was created in February of '02. Right around that time, '02 and '03, it seemed that uh, New Japan started to kind of gain some traction when, uh, when um, All Japan disappeared
1: yeah all japan disappeared and noah came up in its stead um well all japan was still there but noah really started to pick up so they got some of those guys and then new japan was trying to make inroads. and new japan back then um yeah they had um I'm trying to think of this i don't think the 90s Again, confused with all of my uh years here but um they were doing some like stuff with WCW at the time towards uh-huh. the end of um the 90s and early twi- and early 2000s you know right up to the to the death uh the early 2000s like once and noki kind of left well right before he left he was trying to do like some weird mixed martial arts mm-hmm. stuff that he was trying to bring into new japan so that kind of um flopped so then um once Inoki left in '05, I think it's '05, and I'm sorry about if I'm butchering these dates. Um, that's when kind of Wrestle Kingdom came along, and then they started slowly moving back up, and then um, then they tried to get involved with um, internet pay per view, and so internet pay per view right. at this time period was really dicey. With, uh, you know, Ring of Honor would try quite a bit. After Gabe left, he uh, Sapolsky left, he tried with um, Valve and Dragon Gate. And I, I was one of those people who would really try to get these, the high pay-per-views. And I probably with a 50% success rate. You'd eventually get them. Uh, but right. the day of, if you try to watch it live, good luck. I, I just learned to watch stuff two days later. So, New Japan started doing that, too, in 2012. And so, that's when some of your really hardcore American wrestling fans started to... Because before, you'd have to get it through tape trading. And then, you know, then you could... This is like Road took over in 2012, and they put on, like, they put on a little bit of G1 Climax, and then they tried to put on uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And after that... You know, realizing that how hard it was to broadcast events live from Japan, um, right. they kind of did the combination with Ring of Honor, and that was fourteen, two thousand fourteen, like we said, with uh, um, the meeting with Kevin and Delirious and Rocky Romero and Tiger Hattori, who's their longtime uh, referee who eh, just retired a handful of years ago, not not that long ago,
0: right. And and then obviously we will get to one of the first big uh, crossover shows that took place, um, and that was in May of 2014, mm-hmm. one, of our ma- one of our shows um, uh, um, that we'll talk about tonight, or one of the matches from that show, and there's a few from those couple of years. But why don't we dive in, Steve, and tell us about match one. Because it's not only is it uh, I mean, it's an amazing match, but it involves two guys, one who was probably still in his prime and another who was. Was probably one of the two or three best wrestlers in the world and hadn't reached his prime yet.
1: Yeah. So we this is from the Weekend of Thunder. uh, Pay-per-view, not pay-per-view, a weekend for Ring of Honor. They didn't have pay-per-views back then for Ring of Honor. Um, Just VHS tapes and occasionally DVDs. So this is one of their first times bringing people in. Uh, Jushin from Japan, they did an all Japan show that was a mixed success. But this time they brought in a star from New Japan, Jushin Thunder Liger uh, versus Brian Danielson. Um, this is uh, May, no, November 5th, 2004. I have Cage match up, so the dates are European style. Uh, and it was the Greater Boston Indoor Sports Center, which is a place they they ran often in, in Boston. Uh, 750 people in the commentary, Gabe Sapolsky as his Jimmy Bauer persona and CM Punk. And I had the DVD of this, um, and I had actually was watching it a, a, a few months ago, but never got to finish it. So it was uh, really out. I just had to throw it in. So what's cool is I have the uh, actual entrances like the original entrances, because back then they didn't edit out the theme songs and they were using really real songs. So uh, Danielson came to the ring to self esteem by offspring and was wearing what looked to be a Sith robe, (laughs) like, like a Darth Vader Sith robe. And it was completely shaved bald. And then Ian Liger coming out to his classic theme song that he's always had, you know, since the nineties to his retirement.
0: And, uh, Jushin Ryger, as Herb would call Herb Coons would call him. <laughs> Throughout most of the eighties into the nineties. He called him Jushin Riger. I don't know if I don't know if he didn't realize he was Is that like the fa la 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 wait a minute I just realized something. Is that kind of like the Christmas story gag where where they're singing in the Chinese restaurant and they're fa ra 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 Is that the whole thing? Is that what Yeah, I think so. Calling? Riger instead of like what a what a doofus, silly Canadians. Um, I I knew Liger very well throughout. Obviously, by two thousand four, he was probably the pound for pound the best cruiserweight in the world. A title that probably within the next few years would be shared with Rey Mysterio, most likely. Um, I wouldn't call. Brian Danielson, a cruiserweight, because he was never booked like a cruiserweight. He was booked like a main eventer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not that Liger wasn't a main, but do you get my do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand what oh, I'm, I'm trying? To... Es-
1: especially in the US, like we've said it before. Like you know, if you're a United States wrestling fan, your two wrestlers who got people into Japanese wrestling were uh, the Great Muda and Liger. And, right you know and that that's how like, like it opened up a whole new world to people so Liger you know it was against Pillman um, was of course was the classic match uh from the first Nitro and they had another match there too um I, I just read <laughs> one thing that uh I have in big capital letters in my notes is that during the announcing they's he's like we got to Because at this time when they would bring these people in, especially from Japan or big stars, what they would do to sell videos, they bring them in for the event. In this case, they had Liger for two events um, for this one. And then there was a tag team the next night. But then they'd also Mm -hmm. do a shoot interview with the person. And so they actually did a shoot interview with Jushin Liger. And I'm like, man, that would be interesting to see, like, Rob Feinstein interviewing Jushin Liger through a translator.
0: No, no. Because you don't really know if if Liger's actually answering the questions, you know. Yeah. Mm. So even for as early as 2004, and for a guy like Danielson who was still get you know growing as a as a stud, this is almost a dream match. Um. And I liked that Danielson, who I, I'm assuming was a heel at the time um kind of worked to heal. He was giving him like a a move and he kept saying to the ref, "Oh, you want me to take the mask off?" "I'll take the mask off." He started yanking at the mask and everything. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um There were some great strikes. And one thing about one thing about Liger that I noticed Steve, and, and this is a lot of the matches I've ever watched him in, he's very um uh precise. He's another guy like you know, who like a Dean Malenko, a guy who never really wasted movements in the ring. He, he was very, um, calculating. I don't think Brian Danielson wrestles like that. Someone like a Bret Hart wrestled like that. Unlike somebody like a Sean who doesn't, who never wrestled like that. He was very different, but I feel like watching this match. Liger was very, is very precise. He's very, uh, 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 not guarded. He knows, like, he he's thinking a few moves ahead. You can kind of tell. You, you can see that. And him and Danielson just put on just a fucking slap fest exhibition. Um It was a it was an amazing match. And um I feel like Danielson learned something from Liger in that match that he would use down for the rest of his career. Because Daniel, Danielson's another one that he's kind of a blend of, of a guy who's very precise and very guarded. I don't want to say guarded. He's very succinct or precise in his, in his thinking in the ring. And then a guy like a Shawn Michaels who just kind of, you know, one move and then wings it for about five minutes and then another move and then wings it for five minutes. <laughs> but he, I think he, I think he gathered or gained from Liger, uh, that kind of precise striking offense yeah and and it made the match just that much better that he kind of let you know because Danielson was probably a ring general at that time, and he definitely kind of let Liger move things around pod by pod, you know it was an amazing match
1: well absolutely, yeah, there is a, a lot of back and forth and um, you know liger kind of letting Daniel sit uh, and move him around for the beginning of the match and. Um, I I couldn't find these matches anywhere as I was looking them up, but they were saying on commentary that in New Japan, Danielson was never able to beat Liger. Um, I don't see any of those matches on cage match, or maybe they're lost to time or something like that. Right. Um, So, and this is another, there was no way Danielson was going to go over Liger. They, They weren't bringing him over to, to do the job to, Brian no, yeah. you know, he was there to, uh, m- make his money. I, I feel like I heard on, uh, the ring of honor podcast. Um, and I can't think of the name right now and I apologize, but th- they paid like five digits to, to get him over. And that's why they were able to do the two matches and the shoot interview, and you know of course they're gonna have them yep you're going over both (laughs) both
0: matches and let me tell you something even for 2014 roh that's not a that's not a an easy you know check, no
1: because they they weren't really making money off tickets back then they were making money off of dvd and vhs sales
0: correct yep
1: and you can't bring in a guy for 10k Oh, so 5K a night and expect to make money with 750 people coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the next night for Weekend of Thunder, tag two, uh, night two, it was Danielson and Loki tagging together versus uh, Liger and Samoa Joe. So it was, they would do this occasionally. They'd do like dream partner matchups, which I, th- I think is like a lucha tradition. So yeah, like Danielson picked Loki and Liger picked Joe. And, that's supposed to be a pretty dang good match as well, of course. Right. Yep. Yeah, Liger, Liger won by, you know, Danielson kept trying to go for the cattle mutilation uh, a couple times, but uh, Liger was able to break out of it, and then he just unleashed oh, like a shoté, like the capo rolling capo kick like Loki does. And then uh, I, I thought he was going to win with the running Liger bomb. Which is the you know power bomb that he sits out in, but Dennison actually right. kicked out, and then so he gave him like a top rope brainbuster. Yeah, for the it's three pretty counts.
0: Pretty. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. You have to check it out. This match was not on the ROH site. It actually was on YouTube. So yeah, it was uh, on you YouTube. Could yeah, so you can definitely find it. But it's from two thousand four. Um, I can go down the card for that match to that that show too. Yeah, I have
1: um, a card to the others. Yeah, I, I got it. Um, I actually, like I said, I watched this whole this whole show over the, these past few months. This was the only match mm-hmm. I hadn't seen yet, so it worked out well. Uh, Jimmy Rafe, this is right after he joined the embassy, defeated, oh, you're one of your favorite guys out of Chicago, Ace eh, Steel? Yes. Um, oh, God. Homicide defeated Angel Dust, Dunn, and Fast Eddie. Wow. Uh this this is some old school ROH here. The Carnage crew DeVito, Vito and uh Lok defeat BJ Whitmer and Dan Ma- Moff. Uh Loki defeated Chad Collier. John Walters and Nigel McGuinness. Nigel very, very early on into his Ring of Honor here. This this is PTB one of his guy. first matches.
0: PTB guy John Walters. Yes.
1: Yeah. And yeah. uh they defeated Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe, which is kind of surprising. Uh, Outcast Killers defeated Davey Andrews and Shane and Those are some of the Ring of Honor students. Uh, Austin Aries defeats CM Punk. That was a really good match, uh, it, like over four stars. It was like kind of a little upset too. And they were building up Aries to beat Joe a couple a couple months later at the, uh, Final oh, Battle. Then the Havana Pitbulls, Ricky Reyes and Rocky Romero, the aforementioned Romero, Defeated Generation Next, which is was the Jack Evans and Roderick Strong combination. And then this match, Jushin Lager versus Brian Danielson. Um no Meltzer ratings on this at all. Mm. Um I don't think Meltzer watched a lot of these um first few years of Ring of Honor shows. he just get reports from people and then uh, like Gabe Sapolsky himself would shoot him information. Right. Uh, but Cage Match gave it a seven point six seven out of ten.
0: Oh, okay. I don't know where that I don't know where that uh show could be. I suppose you'd have to own it. Um I mean, yeah, you you'd have to own it. I have the DVD
1: if anyone wants it. I'll sell to you. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, you you'd have to own it. Um you can probably find it on eBay, not not so There's some of the shows that are really 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 expensive on eBay, but this one I'm sure you could get for pretty cheap.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but, um, I guarantee the Austin area CM Punk matches out there. And then like you said, the, this match is right on YouTube for free.
0: Um, yes. So, uh, next up our second match, we fast forward a decade. And in fact, our yeah. the remaining three matches, yeah. the remaining three matches will be within the net, with a span of two years. 2014 and 2015. Yeah. We move ahead to the premiere event. And, of course, we were talking about the whole Kevin and and Delirious and Rocky. So this was the thing they obviously put together. The show was called. Of course, if you're an ROH fan, you know what I'm about to say. Sounds like a a Bischoff video game from AWA. Global (laughs) Wars. Although it originally was called... It was originally called uh, something else. Um, It had another name. That's interesting. uh, I thought I thought it had another name, but anyway. um, uh, They announced at the February (laughs) twenty fourteen HonorCon. HonorCon, Steve.
1: (laughs) Wow, I don't remember
0: that at all. Uh, No, I don't either. Um, Yeah, the announcement was made during an ROH event on February 22nd when ROH Chief Operating Officer Joe Koff and Booker Delirious, along with New Japan Chairman Naoki Shugabayashi and his translator, referee Tiger Hattori. So, so not that we don't believe Kevin. We, we Of course we believe Kevin, but it all fits. There's all the names. Yeah. Hey, Enter the race, reveal a partnership, which would see the Japanese promotion's top wrestlers come over to North America for joint shows in uh, 2014. The first title, Global Wars... Would take place May 10th in Toronto, and the second War of the Worlds would take place um, the following week, May 17th uh, in the city in New York City, which was probably Hammerstein. so and this um, show
1: was interesting because it was it was a joint promoted show, but there weren't any combinations yet. It was all you know either a Ring of Honor match or a new Japan match. There right. wasn't any Ring of Honor versus New Japan for this first no. Uh, no. Global Wars show.
0: Correct. Uh, so why don't you introduce – so this, So so tonight – so for the second match, we're going to go to that show from May of uh, May 10th, 2014, the inaugural Global Wars. Uh, tell us, Steve, what our match number two is.
1: Um, match number two, uh, how I chose these is I just went through like the first – year you know like you know 12 months or so and picked out like three of the better looking matches that were more you know at least had some new japan people in them and this was though an IWGP match um you have four guys with roh ties so the young bucks who would come and go between ring of honor and new japan and at this time they were the ring of honor tag title holders and the iwgp junior heavyweight championships uh, versus the Forever Hooligans, which is Rocky Romero and Alex Kozlov, and the mm. Time Splitters, which was Alex Shelley and Kushida. So obviously Alex Shelley's been ring on her off and on since I think the second year. Uh mm. Romero also there since the second year. We even, you know, brought him up as part of the Havana Pitbulls. Um and Kevin and Steve Carino are on the call and First thing I thought was god I can't believe this was 9 years ago already.
0: I know, right? Oh my god. Before we talk about that match, here's the rest of the card. Um for those that may want to you know j- jostle their memories. Uh on the pre-show, Tedarius Thomas defeated the Romantic Touch. Um The Romantic Touch was was a, a Titus in uh, a mask. Mr. Titus. Yes. Yeah. Woof. Should have kept the mask on. Um, Michael Bennett, Mike Bennett, of course, defeated ACH. Uh, Michael Elgin defeated Takaki Watanabe,
1: also known as now known as Evil. This was during his excursion.
0: Correct. Yes. Uh, in a three-way tag, this was all ROH: the Briscoes, the Decade, which is B, which was BJ and Jimmy Jacobs and Red Dragon. In a three-way tag, Briscoe's won. Uh, Cedric Alexander defeated Roddy Strong in a singles match. The decade was banned from ringside. Thank God. Then our match, uh, <laughs> Tanahashi and Mister Liger, not nine Riger, years later. Yeah. Yep. Defeated Chaos, Jado and uh, Mister Nakamura in a four-corner survival match for the ROH TV title. Jay Lethal retained against Matt Taven, Silas Young, and. Mr. Chompa. Um, the Bullet Club, AJ and Carl Anderson, defeated Chaos, which was Guido and Mr. Okada. And in the main event, Adam Cole successfully defended the ROH world title against Kevin Steen. Not a bad show.
1: No? Yeah, this was, uh, this was one that Meltzer did watch and... Uh, he rated three of the matches above three stars. So, uh, and then this match four and a half stars, it was his highest rated match. Mm. Um, 7.65 on cage match. So not much different. Uh, cage match actually had the world title match at 8.09. So a little bit higher. Uh, but yeah, this was, I I think I sent you a message like, there's no way I'm going to be able to recap this match. No,
0: uh, this match was absolutely bonkers.
1: Yeah, it was nonstop. stop um, Nick Jackson is... I mean, the Jacksons are so skinny here. But Nick Jackson, who's already fast, you know, to this day, is like the flash here. Um, you know, both of those guys trained a bit in Dragon Gate, which is known for its speed. But right away, he's just flying around the ring. And I, I felt that the goal for this match... Because this is the, the the first show that they actually did mix the New Japan and... A uh, ring of honor talent, and some of the matches, like you know, throwing Jado in there with Nakamura. You know, Gato and Jado have been like the longtime bookers, mostly Gato now. But it was just kind of like they would throw themselves in there um to get right. to get on TV and and generally eat the pin. But this was a right. way to for New Japan to introduce like a Kushida, who at this time was hey, he's still a good wrestler, but this this was him coming into his prime right now. I think he's around thirty. They said. Um, and then, you know, reintroduce doing so by having Alex Shelley in. And then, you know, the Jacksons are starting, and there's just, you know, Bullet Club's there. This is when AJ Styles is you know, starting out in, in Bullet Club. And you're starting to see like the T shirts of Bullet Club just a little bit. You know, there's like Super Kick Party shirts, a couple bit, a bit of them. You're starting to see like Kevin Steen shirts. So it's it's just that start of, in my opinion, when wrestling started taking off again, mm-hmm. uh, when there yeah. started to be more things to watch, um Correct. and people getting excited about, and right. you know WWE was doing pretty decently as well. Yeah. So yeah, this match was just nonstop. Um, everyone got a chance to play pair off. Kozlov, um is retired now. I think he still does some commentary for New Japan Strong, but he would have uh, he's from M- Moldova, do they say? Um, He had, like, a little Russian Cossack hat on, and he would do, like, these dance kicks. Um, Great comment by uh, Kevin Kelly in that. said, Alex Shelley seeing red now. Like, oh, a little communist humor by Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kushida did, like... They did that a uh, lot,
0: actually. They did that a lot. They like to throw, like, geopolitical risk board game jokes. You know? You know, it's pretty funny.
1: And there's, like, a lot of miscues that kept missing each other, and um, I, I like the time splitters offense because it's similar to, uh, you know, Alex Shelley's other team, you know, Motor City Machine Guns that he's more known for, because this tag team was kind of in between. Saban was still in TNA and Shelley went to Japan, so Motor City. This kind of was the Oreo filling between the two runs of the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, but they had very similar offense, but Kushida would just add his own twist in there, like throwing in a cartwheel or something. And Kushida um, was like. What, 26? He was young here. He probably was upper 20s, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's only 40 right now. Um, So he was, yeah, he was actually probably like 30. Yeah, like 29, 30. Um, I can't believe he's 40. The, the, he doesn't look like he ages. Um, no. The Young Bucks look like little children here.
0: They do. <laughs> they they look like, they look like, uh, they look like ring boys.
1: Yeah. And That's Roger Romero is another guy who does not, and Alex Shelley actually, like some of these guys in this match like mostly guys Kashida Shelley and Rocky, they don't look like they age in ten years, e- even more, like Shelley looks about the same as he did in o five right uh, I love the the uh commentary by Carino saying, "If you wonder why I got fat, it's so I didn't have to wrestle the junior heavyweight style anymore
0: <laughs>
1: and that was during like when everyone was doing like their their dives uh eventually Bucks win. Um, they hit their Indie Taker, which is like their spiked tombstone yeah. pile driver. Um, then they did like four super kicks in the more bang for your buck, which is, I can't remember. It's like a rolling splash, moonsault. Um, it's like a three-move combo. And yeah, it was just absolute nonstop action. And the crowd actually chanted, this is awesome. But they said that was awesome. Instead of doing it during the match, they did it after the match. It's like, wow, that's. That's actually not annoying. <laughs>
0: All right.
1: That's simpler times when people didn't just chant random things during matches.
0: Uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, but that match—I mean, that match was just so amazing. Um, and look ahead. Who would have thought, as great a tag team wrestler as he is? and all and will be in history that Alex Shelley eventually became Impact World Champion.
1: Yeah, currently called
0: by this guy. Yes, you did. But, uh, yeah. Crazy. Um So that match is on uh Global Wars 2014. That that show was on the ROH. Mhm. Uh site it's on yeah
1: everything from 2014 i don't remember to where they are at 2013 but everything from 2014 and onward um is on on our club and it's the full pay-per-view version that they yes. put on so they have all the themes and everything like that uh, um yeah so that was and and they had another that was the next week that they had this the second um um card and that was war of the worlds but i there was not any. There was stuff that was good on there, but I didn't want to do like Red Dragon against the Young Bucks or something like that. Because it didn't really feel like um, Ring of Honor versus New Japan. Um, I wanted to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, I mean, there was a Nakamura versus Kevin Steen match that went 12 minutes that week. Um, that, that was one of the Ustream pay-per-views. Oof, that was not a good platform. Um, but yeah, I wanted to go ahead to 2015 because then it really started to pick up. You have Bullet Club starting to become a little bit more known in in the country.
0: Right. So this match has nothing to do with Bullet Club, though. Our third match is another Mm -hmm. singles match. And this was my favorite match of the four. Oh, mine too. Yeah, this This was was my favorite match.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Lead us in. What do we got?
1: All right. This is uh, War of the Worlds, which is what they called um, the show last year the you know first year that was the second weekend was the the second uh, uh show was called war of the worlds but now they're doing weekends so they had a war of the worlds weekend the weekend of may 12th and may 13th and then they had uh global wars uh a couple of days later the 15th and the 16th so they did like four shows in five days and then a lot of these they taped a lot of, some of these matches they taped, and then they put on a few weeks of TV on Sinclair. Right. Um, you can actually see in a match we do later, you can kind of see where they took the, the break uh, mid-match. Uh, but on the Honor Club version, you see it without any of the commercial breaks. So this match was just like, hey, let's put some random combinations going. this, I believe, it was from night two, correct? Yeah, this was from uh, this the,
0: was yes night two. This was so, from
1: night two in Philly. Yep,
0: they're both and in Philly, I think, right? Or no. Yeah,
1: night one and night two are in Philly, and then night three and night four are in Toronto. Uh, Toronto was a huge hot spot for them, and this is uh, a match that was in the middle of the card. It was the first match after intermission, and it's Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, a much leaner Hiroshi Tanahashi than he is in 2013, And he had his. Old theme song and probably two working knees. Uh, And he uh, defeats Roddy Strong in 1655. Uh, This match was incredible. The um, setting and the way that the announcers had to get involved and the (laughs) Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission had to get involved. I had no idea about this match. I, I, I think I watched this at some point like on you know on pay-per-view or I had like I had the DVD and the DVD was open so at some point I watched this but I do not remember it and um yeah this was incredible. Yeah what what were your thoughts on it?
0: Um it was it was um uh I mean I'm trying to figure out if Roddy was like at that level um at that point yet. I mean Roddy obviously most of 2010's known as probably one of the best just pound for pound, just working guys in the Indies. Till of course he would go to NXT and become, you know, the Um. And Tanahashi's the guy everybody always talked about. He's always and even Kevin says it on here. He is the John Cena of mm-hmm. and I thought it was more because you know he was like the happy go lucky guy like Cena, but a lot of people say within the everyday New Japan, he's the either everybody loves him or everybody hates him. Yeah, that's pretty much John Cena.
1: Um Yeah, there are a lot of people who didn't like Roddy back then, um especially no, earlier. The... Oh yeah, Tanahashi. Yeah. Roddy Tanahashi. too. Oh,
0: okay. Um but yeah, uh yeah,
1: Tanahashi like I mean, he, you know, now the last few years, he's known as the ace of the company. He's, he he's the face, you know, maybe even more so than Okada because of his tenure and how long he's, he's been there. I mean, he's, he's on his last legs. He had some decent matches in this year's G1, you know, 2023's G1, but he's not the same guy and he's definitely not the same guy. He was here, like does pretty much the exact same moves, but he can barely even hit the the high fly flow which he won the match with which is like the top rope kind of frog splash yeah, uh, that he does.
0: But they really like went went all out and no pun intended mm-hmm. and uh, and went crazy back and forth and Roddy actually got busted hard way uh, in this match which yeah. surprised me because I know you had reminded me that they were very um, not totally into um blood they yeah no, they
1: were not doing blood at all during this time period um and you saw during the match and i think he got i i looked it back a couple times the only thing i can think of is when like tanahashi does his like kind of uh flying forearm move very similar to what sean does only not as much height as sean right. like he might have cracked him like you know like got him with the knuckles on the and the top of the head, I couldn't see, like, anything in the turnbuckle. Uh The Carino said it was a pretty huge gash. It was a pretty deep gash. And, um, yeah, Roddy just all of a sudden, you know, he grasps his eye. And then uh, his entire forehead is just covered in blood. And there was a couple moments where it was kind of just dripping. And there was enough concern that, like, Carino on mic was asking for a towel. And he was getting off the headset a couple times and you know they're saying oh we might have to stop this and like oh yeah you know that's just typical wrestling announcing but no there was there was a legitimate doctor the state athletic commission was there and um I, i know when nigel started he was started there he was um really trying to get away from bleeding in the ring especially like you know, with his career, he you know part of the reason he left is he caught hepatitis. That was one of the reasons why he, you know, wasn't able to get signed. And you know, you get that through blood being passed, and that's what happened with Abdullah the Butcher and the guy who ended up suing him was because Abdullah was passing around the hepatitis um, with his yeah. all his blood, and oh. so they really got away from it. And they're like uh, Todd saw ran out with the towel, and at first. Roddy's like no, like just let it go, you know, because you got it. It's it's picking up the intensity of the match to the point where even the announcers, you know, towards the end of the match, uh, Roddy had his like big massive combination. It was like a superplex. Um, he always does like the stomach buster, gut buster, and back buster's move, and then a sick kick, and then which is like um, um like Danielson's psycho knee. Only it's a kick to the. It's like a super fast single legged drop kick. And, you know, Tanitashi kicks off for like, 2.99. And Carino and Kevin Kelly just start marking out. And I'm like, come on, Roddy, let, you know, do it. it. The the intensity, like, with the blood added so much. Um And eventually, Tuts and Sinclair made him, like, wipe his face off. Because I think they were legitimately afraid that well, the commission was going to step in and, and stop the match. Right. Uh, but, yeah, like... Roddy was so good at this time. He's so quick. Like 2014, 2015, Roderick Strong is like absolute peak for him. Um, Not that he's bad at other times at all, but in terms of singles, he did some incredible stuff in PWG and Ring of Honor, a little bit out in, um, even in Germany, a little bit. Um, So, yeah, there's... At first, it just seemed like it was going to be a, a basic match. It was, like, it was just some back and forth and uh, strong, like, hit an Olympic slam. But once the blood started coming, it went from, like, 90% Tanahashi, 10% Roderick from the crowd to 50-50. And everything started being a little stiffer. Like, Rod- yep. like uh, Tanahashi did the aces high, which is just a uh, body at the top rope. And Roddy, like, smacked him in the stomach with a drop kick. Um, yeah, that was great. And Tanahashi did, like, some wrist-captured German, which I haven't seen him do in years. And then he did, like, his kind of typical offense, like the sling blade and the high fly flow and uh, hit a three. And that was, what do you say, like 1655? And...
0: 1657, yeah. Yeah,
1: I think Cage Matt said... Eight point nine three, which is super high for any match, Um, and like that's all time high. I I gave it four and a half stars, maybe even four and three quarter stars. I guess is about as good to perfect of a uh, under twenty match as you can get. And you know, immediately the doctor and uh, you know, couple referees were in the ring and they were trying to like towel off roderick immediately and um I, I wonder if sinclair had an issue too with blood i don't know um i don't know about that but roderick just had this smile ear from ear ear to ear after the match Like he knew he knew he did something
0: Hmm. yeah um on a side note you had mentioned the hepatitis and the if anybody watched the dark side of the ring with abdullah yeah I kind of feel bad for the guy. I mean, did he fuck up? Yeah. But of course, the guy that he supposedly uh, tainted did the same thing to somebody else like three years later. So but I really felt bad for Abdullah. The guy can't read or write. Got Mm -hmm. totally taken advantage of. Yeah. And uh, I felt bad for him. Not to say that he probably somebody probably should have told him that you probably shouldn't be wrestling. But that's another story from the day. I just had to point that out. Um,
1: Well, one thing I wanted to point out, too, is like. One of the criticisms I have of AEW is that they bleed too much. Oh, totally. And
0: you know who's guilty of that? I'll keep my mouth shut. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: yeah. He's a yeah. He he's a, he's a big one. But I think even just in general, like even if they just did it like once a month, it would be, um, it'd be fine. But it almost feels like on a weekly basis at this point. It's almost and, like uh,
0: Blackpool's gimmick is to bleed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, not Claudia, though. I don't think <laughs> Claudia was like, No, I'm good. He's <laughs> like, I'm bald. You're gonna see my scar. <laughs> um, but I and this shows what happens when you're not used to blood. Um, like the shock of everyone at ringside, and they're like, Oh, shit what do we do? And you're know, like, You know, both, both Carino and Kevin Kelly are trying to get the towel to Roderick because they're they're you know worried the show's gonna get shut down. And they're trying to hold off the doctor from getting involved, and and you know, like the fact that I I don't even know how long it was before, you know, some of their their huge. Like, I don't remember blood being in the Steam Generico feud. They had blood in like earlier Ring of Honor, but yeah, at some point, like right around when Sinclair came in, or a little bit earlier, they just cut it off. But, but yeah, it's it was a huge part of this match.
0: Hmm. Um. Yeah, but it's it's just crazy. It's ridiculous, and the crowd energy in the in the match, like you said, just swerving from one side to the other, and Roddy getting a little more. I mean, it was just, and it was stiff, and they definitely hit the gas like the last like probably five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was very impressive. It was very impressive, and uh, um, just a fun match. It was really really a fun match. Eight nine three. That's wow. I'm on Wiki, so I don't have the grades. I know you're on Cage Match, but yeah, wow, that's crazy. Uh, if you're interested, it's on it's on um, it's on uh, Honor Club. Here's the card. Uh, night one, both both nights were in Philly. Night one, uh, Guido defeated Delirious. Uh, Roddy actually beat Kushida the night before. I'm sure that match was pretty good. That's probably really, really good. Yeah. Good. Um, Lethal defeated Watanabe the future evil. Uh, in a three-way, the Bucks defeated The Addiction, which is Daniels and Frankie, and The Kingdom, which is one of my favorite teams of, like, the last ten years, which is, of course, that team. Yeah, they Matt's just keep
1: evening. getting better and better, and I'm hoping they that. get...
0: That match had to have been great. Yeah. Uh, Nido defeated Michael Elgin. Alright, we'll move on. Uh, the, the next night- match... Poor poor Naito. Uh Red Dragon defeated Tanahashi and Liger. That match had to been fun. Um, AJ defeated Adam Cole, which many consider. I think Dave thought this was a match. What did Dave give? Do you have Night One in front of you, uh, Steve? What did Dave give that?
1: Um, let me see if I can get back to it. I was looking at Robert AJ Strong. And Adam
0: Cole because this is um, Night
1: One of War of the Worlds.
0: Yeah, uh, Sean AJ Raddekin
1: Adam Cole. The no it, no it might Liger. Be a match of the year. No legger on this one. Cage match had an eight point four four. Um, they actually had the Roderick Strong Kushida at
0: eight point six one. Oh wow! Oof. And this uh, main event is a uh, Okada yes. and Nakamura. Yeah,
1: versus Briscoes.
0: Yeah. Who? Eighteen eleven. Holy shit! So no, no grade for the Styles call match. Um, not from Meltzer. No. Oh no. Okay. Um, and the main event, is, as Steve mentioned, Chaos, uh, Okada, and Knock what a team, huh? Yeah, seriously. Uh, against uh, Jay and Mark. So you know that match was probably fucking amazing.
1: And this is when people, like, started really knowing who Nakamura was. Correct. Yep. This is like and Michael they- Jackson, Nakamura era.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Then, uh, night two, there was a dark match. Jay Diesel defeated uh, the Romantic touch, which is, of course, uh, Titus. Then on the main, Adam Page. Who's that? Um, With Colby Carino. Uh, (laughs) I didn't
1: didn't know they were together ever.
0: I didn't either. And, of course, Colby, as you know, will be wrestling. Oh,
1: this was part of the decade. decade. Okay, I do remember this. So Colby Carino joined the decade, and the whole thing was that Steve Carino hated BJ Whitmer. So Colby, like, turned on dad, even though Colby Ah. was probably, like, 18 at this point.
0: yeah. And, of course, he's wrestling next weekend at NWA 75 for the junior heavyweight title. He's only uh, 26. He did, yeah, it's crazy. Although he's got a mustache now, so it looks like he's 56. But anyway, he uh, <laughs> uh, defeated uh, Watanabe. Evil. Michael Elgin defeated Kushida. What a crime. Um, <laughs> Naito defeated Kyle O'Reilly. I almost put that match on. i got to rewatch it. I almost put that match on just for the hell yeah. of Yeah. Uh, how about this four-way? Knock defeated Lethal, Liger, and Mark Briscoe.
1: I remember like these earlier years, these four-way matches were just a bunch of bums.
0: Or like debuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we have like legends. Four, st- yeah, Four legends. Then our match that we just mentioned, Tanahashi and Roddy. The addiction, Daniels and uh and and Frankie, against Guido and Okada. Uh Jay Briscoe defeated Bobby Fish to successfully defend his ROH world title. And in the main event, a six man, the kingdom. So Cole, Taven, and Bennett with Maria against AJ and Les Bucks. That's the main event. That six man, which was probably fucking out of this world. What? What is there a grade for that match? Eight point
1: one five. Anything. Anything over eight is spectacular. Yeah, that's like you know that's at least four stars. So like anything will... over nine is like all time, like five or above.
0: Right. So this match, so, and this full show, I'm pretty sure both nights are on, um, yes, are on, uh, honor club. Yeah. The whole thing, unless
1: it's like a super problematic, like Joey Ryan type guy, um, everything's on,
0: it's the entire pay-per-view. Yeah. We don't need any extra ding-dongs. Yeah. Um, our last match, fascinating, I have to say fascinating match, Steve. I wasn't no, I wasn't sure what to expect. This is another two-nighter. This was uh, back at the Ted Reeve Arena in Toronto. Mm-hmm. We are at Global Wars 15 one year mm-hmm. later, and these two nights were loaded. But why don't you uh, clue us in on our final match tonight?
1: All right, this is a six-man tag match, so a little bit different than what we've seen so far. Um, it's Bullet Club, AJ Styles, and the Jacksons, the Bucks. Uh, with Doc Gales and Carl Anderson. Oof. Uh, and they defeated Kazuchika Okada and Roppongi Bice, uh which is Trent Beretta now of Best Friends, and Rocky Romero. Uh-huh. Um, all all in chaos at this point um, And in 1725. And I do remember this. I don't remember seeing this card li- live. I don't think it was a pay-per-view. I do have the DVD, but I've never opened it. Uh, but I do remember seeing this match on TV. Hmm. So this is another like this was one that Meltzer rated. He rated four and three quarter stars, which I don't agree with. No, um, the the cage match rating was nine point one, two, which equates what? to like. Yeah, that equates to like all time great match. And it's ninety five votes, too. So it's not like three people voted. Right. Um, I, I think that's way high.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it was a it was a it was a great match, but I wouldn't I wouldn't I think the other tag was better, and I think I think all three matches were better. But I like that. I'm glad you picked this match, Steve. It's a good little snapshot of yeah the Bucks in their prime. AJ like right before you know half half a year before leaving for the WWF or WWE, and chaos and Okada even one of his last matches before he would blossom into the okada that i love um you mentioned the card let me let me buzz through a quick before we get to the match so again two nights and this 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 card is loaded loaded night one there was a dark match dalton castle and donovan die Hmm. i wonder where he is now hmm. who knows <laughs> true um Missed opportunity there. Am I confused? Is this not the jack that's in NXT? No, it, it, it is the Diejack in NXT. Oh, it is the he's, okay. he's on very often, is he? I guess not. He's kind of been half out of it. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the other guy, Off. I always get those two confused. Oh, some of them. Um, yeah. Then the main card, Guido and Moose defeated Silas Young and Watanabe. In a three-way, Kushida defeated Sabin and O'Reilly. That's, that sounds like it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a tag, the Kingdom Matt and Mike defeated Liger and Seidel. Hmm. Uh, o- How about this for a sneaky match in the middle? Okada defeated Cedric. Wow, That's you the
1: young guy uh, a chance.
0: Yep, three a three way tag. The Addiction Daniels and Frankie defeated the Decade Adam and BJ and uh, Rapongi Vice Beretta and Rocky. Uh, Knock defeated ACH for the TV title. Lethal defeated Nido, Tanahashi defeated Elgin, and in the main event, a ten-man tag because we know we're going to get one of those eventually. <laughs> the, the ROH All Stars, which is Hanson, the Briscoes, Ray Rowe, and Roddy, defeated the Bullet Club: AJ, Doc, Carl, and the Bucks. Is there a grade for that one, Steve?
1: Yeah, I can give you the mel- Melter did most of these. I can give, like they usually put on cage match everything over three stars. The Kashida Saban O'Reilly got three and a quarter, six point nine three on cage match. Okada Cedric got three and a half stars, seven point one four. Um, the tag team match uh, Addiction Decade and rapangi, three and a quarter stars, only five point five two on cage match knock versus ACH, three and a half stars, 6.81. Uh, Lethal over Naito, three and a half stars, 6.21. Tana and Elgin, three and a half stars, 5.82. And nice. then the 10-man, four and a half stars, 8.11.
0: Wow. Now here's night two. 14 matches on night two.
1: Good God. Which,
0: which concludes with our main event. So <laughs> 13 matches... And that so tells can, you the, the the energy level of the crowd for this match because they were sitting through 13 matches before this. So,
1: and probably a whole show, a lot of them probably went to the show the day before, too.
0: Right. Um, fortunately, these matches are mostly short. Uh, Kushida defeated Will Ferrara. Silas Young defeated Watanabe. Moose defeated Colby Carino. There's your whole storyline there. Mm-hmm. The Briscoes defeated the House of Truth, which was Jack, and uh, Jay Diesel. Kyle O'Reilly defeated The Addiction in a two on one hit handicap match for the tag team titles. So Kyle O'Reilly won the tag titles. Oh, it was by DQ. So the belt did not change hands. Liger defeated Dalton Castle. Bob Evans and Cheeseburger ended in a no contest. Uh, Doc and Carl versus The Kingdom ended in a double DQ. War Machine, which was Hanson and Ray Rowe, defeated The Decade. Adam Page and Colby Karina. in a tag. Cedric defeated Moose. Tanahashi and Naito defeated ACH and Seidel. Knock defeated Roddy. I'm sure that match was great. Elgin defeated Guido. And then the, the main event was the show, was the match we're about to talk about. Bullet Club and Chaos.
1: Yeah, this doesn't look like that great of a show, to be honest.
0: It just, seemed, it just seems very, just busy.
1: Yeah, I think this was held in the middle of the week, too, if I remember right, because they wanted the four days in a row right, or four days out of five. And it's just like yeah, real busy and nothing
0: like like there's
1: seven minute matches. It's, it's almost like a TV taping is what it looks like.
0: It, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that. I, I get that feeling because the times like five fifteen, six eighteen, two mm-hmm. forty four, eleven 244, three minutes, 938, 212. Yeah, that's a
1: TV taping for sure. Yeah,
0: 212. Nine oh five, eleven twelve, seventeen oh five, eight oh five, and then our main event—the match we're talking about—was seven five or 6
1: Um, 4 uh,
0: this match, AJ. I'm going to talk about AJ for a minute. AJ just added like this, this, this crackle of, like this crackle of. Um, energy to the match like AJ just felt special
1: Yeah, compared
0: to the other guys I got that dip, feeling dip.
1: like you and I both watched TNA at the end of his time and there was real like he's always great he's always been fantastic but he started getting a chip on his shoulder at the end because he did like that stupid storyline where he like went away for a while for like a few months and then he like came back um, and right before, you know, I had like another last couple, even though they knew he was leaving, they put the title on him anyways, towards the end. Mm-hmm. And he started, he had like a little bit of that, that chip on his shoulder with his character, which I'm sure was coming from a real place. And then, so when he, you know, joined a new Japan and immediately joined up with the bullet club, which is, you know, originally the point of the bullet club was, it was the the foreigners, uh, coming into you know the evil foreigners basically that was the original concept for it. Um, he got even more of an edge and kind of grew up that hair a little bit and um, it was like you know some people call it like the soccer mom haircut <laughs> at the time. But you know, he, he brought that chippiness um, where the young bucks were just like kind of like purposely dorky heels like trying to act too cool. Um, Doc Gallows Correct. is just a doof and Carl Anderson this was kind of peak Carl Anderson in terms of like singles time but like AJ Styles was definitely the star of this group in America uh, and the Young Bucks really on the come up
0: right I like, the, I like how you said they were like skinny dorky nerds that was funny yeah. Um, but, they, I mean, it
1: kind of was their. It kind of was their gimmick in a way, like the. Right. Uh, you know, towards the end of the match when like they're you know, Matt keeps doing the suck it, suck it, suck it, suck it, suck it. It's like, purposely DX tribute, uh, but on like cocaine.
0: Yeah, like total fanboyed up. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. Like some, some asshole. Like oh, they're of
1: they're marks, and they're like no, that's the character. They're like total deuce. Yeah,
0: yeah it's like a uh, like a mark outside a. Uh, uh, outside a um, like a video store or something, you know? right?
1: I was like, and that was the whole point of the super kick, the whole super kick party, which is like taking Shawn Michaels yeah. and, you know, when it used to Shawn Michaels used, you know, that super sweet chin music used to finish matches, but over time, yep, that move started meaning nothing, and so they just went completely over the top with it, you know, right. on, on purpose, and the crowd just started responding to to it. They weren't always, like, super kick guys. They, like, added it into their arsenal around this time. But, yeah, but absolutely. AJ is, like... He's just, a star. Yeah, absolutely stands out. This is... This time period, if you ever watch any of Ring of Honor with AJ or the New Japan run with AJ, like, he had a G1 Climax where pretty much every match that he did was spectacular, there's a, a famous match with because this is when like you were able to start watching G1 Climax on um, Access. You'd you'd get it a few weeks after the fact, or you could sp- pay like a ridiculous amount of money to watch it online. It was like two hundred dollars for the right. tournament or something. Um, but there's a match that he had with Minoru Suzuki at this time. Holy shit! It was just the two of them laying forms into each other. <laughs> Just, you know, actually hitting each other. It was incredible. I'll look up that. But, like, there's a, I have a comp of him in New Japan from this time. And I right. have the comp, which I – I I know there's an AJ comp on Honor Club. But I don't know if it's, like, his old school stuff or his new school stuff. But if you have Honor Club, like, man, go, go watch some of that stuff or any of the stuff on YouTube that he did. Because this was, like – this was his peak in terms of in-ring and yeah. what got him so over when he came to WWE and he like those first couple years in WWE when he was doing the stuff with like Cena that was, you know, like amazing stuff.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, he, he command and he commanded the ring. Um, I mean, he kind of gave the bullet club some teeth, um, and Okada, I can't not mm-hmm. talk about. Um, twenty fourteen, well, like obviously, twenty fifteen, he hadn't quite hit the peak. You know, he hadn't quite reached that main event status he would have. You know, pretty much from twenty sixteen to now. But he was another one who you could tell was a guy who wanted to command the audience. Yeah, and eventually would, and pound for pound, would eventually maybe be one of the best Japanese wrestlers of the last twenty years. mm Hmm. But you could tell that he was kind of siphoning off. Because him and AJ would have some nice uh, exchanges. Um, would have some nice exchanges in this, uh, in this match. Uh, a couple of, you know, some strikes and some flips and kind of setups and stuff. Um, what were your thoughts on Okada at this point? And could you tell even here that he was a guy who you knew was going to be their guy eventually?
1: Yeah, I mean, he could. The the criticism I have of New Japan guys is that a lot of times when they would come to America for these shows, they'd almost treat it like a New Japan house show. Like, Tanahashi went hard in the match we just watched. Okada in this match, um, he did a few moves, but he was kind of phoning it in. You know, he he could do more, and I think that was just... You know, we're here as the special attraction. But yeah, he I mean, with all the money flying down, you you could see that New Japan and, and Ring of Honor saw money in this guy. Um right. and, and just as a side, the AJ Styles um Minoru Suzuki match uh nine point four four on cage match, which is top one hundred matches in history. Yikes. Um, uh, at the bottom of that, but uh, four and three quarters from, from Meltzer, you know, before he went over five. So, yeah, we're talking all-time greatest matches. Uh, AJ's got – AJ's on quite a few of them.
0: Yes. Yes, he is. And I think that I definitely – you know, it's funny you say that, that that this must have been treated like a, like a TV taping, and it didn't have that same – it probably didn't have that same oomph that the one the year before did, even though some of the matches here are fucking amazing. Um, mm-hmm. This second night seemed like an afterthought compared to the first night. Um, now, global wars would last what? How much longer would they do global wars for? Oh, I um, think until
1: the very end. At the very end, of, like pre-pandemic.
0: Yeah, let's see. Global wars. Yeah, they. So they. They. The first one they did was actually in two thousand twelve. Oh. It was called Border Wars. Remember I was Border saying wars, I was thinking yeah. of another title. Border yeah. Wars, which they did in 2012 and 2013. Then the Global Wars we did earlier 2014. Then this one. 2016 would actually be in Chicago. Did you go to that one? Um, I think so. Main event was uh, Lethal and Cold. Well,
1: maybe, maybe not. No, I don't then, think I did
0: go to that one. Now, the Global Wars usually was in May. In 2017, they changed it to to October. Mm -hmm. The 2017 one was in Buffalo. The main event was the Elite, Kenny, Matt, Nick, versus the Kingdom for the six-man title. Then 20, they did two in 2017. The other one, actually, I'm sorry, they did four in 2017. Four. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, main event was the Luxury Trio versus Chaos, Mm -hmm. but not with Kenny, but not with, uh, Okada. Then they did Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and the main event was Kenny, Matt, Nick against Best Friends and Flip for the six-man titles. Then they did Chicago again at the Odium Expo Center in oh, Villa yep. Park.
1: Yep, that's, um, that place used to host um, the ECW shows in Chicago. Ah. It's a The main dump. event
0: was Kenny and Yoshihashi for the uh, US title. The I That City.
1: show I did go to.
0: They did four of them in in 2018. So I didn't realize they did this. Yeah, uh, and they did the a first ton of War of The first one was these too. they did in November. They did Lewiston, Maine. The main event was Lethal Gresham, Sabin and Kushida against my favorite faction, Los Ignorables Um Then they did Lowell Mass. It was Lethal at Gresham versus Saban and Kushida versus the Bucks versus the kingdom. Then they did Buffalo again. Main event was the Briscoes versus the best friends versus the elite, which was Cody and hangman. Cody. Devontae Rhodes. Um, and then the last one was in Toronto. The main event was lethal and Kenny King for the ROH world title. Then they did the then they called it this. You're right, Steve. They stopped uh before the pandemic. Because the following year they did it in September. They did three days. Dearborn, Michigan. The main event was Bandito versus Jay Briscoe. Then they went back to Via Park on September seventh of twenty nineteen. It was a uh, villain enterprises against lifeblood. And then uh Milwaukee, Steve. At the Potawatomi Hotel and Casino. Oh yeah, I didn't go to that one. Roosh and Jeff Cobb against the Kingdom, which was mm-hmm. Matt Taven and Vinny Marseglia.
1: Yeah, because they used to go to. Um, God, I am I'm I'm wiping out here. Um, they, yeah, I can't remember where they were in Milwaukee, but that they, they took a chance and went to the the pot, as the as the locals call them. <laughs> um,
0: the pot. That's funny.
1: Yep, I, I ran
0: track directly across the street from the pot in college. That's funny. So anyway, and then, of course, they stopped the following year because of the, the death. And so, they did a
1: bunch of War of the Worlds. that w- They would do, you know, four-night um, weekends of War in the Worlds up to 2019 uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And they did some in the UK. I mean, they knew that that was – those were the shows that made the money. <laughs> you know, those – when they could bring in the, the New Japan uh, guys. Right, right. Uh, but by the time yeah. 2019 came, I mean, it was dying anyway, because, you know, AEW was popping up. So a lot of the guys, you know, had had left.
0: Right. So, um, yeah, let me look at that. There's a link for that, too. Let's see. How often did they do that? Oh, there's a
1: yeah, they would they did every year, three or four, three or four times. And in, in 2017, yeah. they actually had. uh. Two different War of the World weekends. They had a four-day run in Toronto, Dearborn, uh, New York, and Philadelphia, and then they did three nights in uh, the UK as well. Yeah, August. Yep. Then so they, they, they milked the War of the Worlds and Global Awards for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, and then 2018 they did four dates War of the Worlds: Lowell, Toronto, Royal Oak, and Via Park again. Boy, they love going there, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2019 they did four days in May. Buffalo, Toronto, Grand Rapids, and VIA Park. Boy, they love the Ted Reeve Arena in Toronto. Next time I see uh, our good friend, Mr. Poirier. Oh, yeah, gonna, they uh, went there all him. the time. When I see him in Philly, I'm going to ask him about the Ted Reeve Arena. Um, they basically, you know,
1: they, they what happened in Chicago is they outgrew the Frontier Fieldhouse. Because, right. I mean, that's basically just a large YMCA. Um, it, it's like your local, like, rec center. And right. as they you know that could hold a good 1500 people but when you started upgrading with Sinclair and you brought in all that TV equipment and then also you'd have you know the bigger shows you'd bring in Kenny Omega you know they were bringing in several thousand at that at that point and right. then quickly
0: died yeah well cuz of AEW yeah um so um so there you go there's four matches highlighting what has been a very, which was a very lucrative, um, a lucrative, uh, agreement or, uh, shall we say arrangement between, um, Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling in the 2010s. Um, thank you for joining us for this month's episode of Pod of Honor. Steve Willie. you're the greatest. Thank you. Um, you are 9.1 in my cage match.
1: That's pretty good. Uh, I'll take that.
0: Yeah. I'm a solid uh, four yes. and a half stars. Yes. Uh, you can follow Steve on his uh, Instagram and other things. Um, he's with me every other week with Nate Milton on the main event. If you're listening to this when the show drops on a, on Sunday, a uh, special Sunday episode of Pot of Honor, uh, mm-hmm. later this week, uh, Nate, Steve, and I will be back for the main event. We will preview – speaking of AEW, we will preview uh, All In in London as well as – uh, impacts emergence, which is the prelude show for um, uh, the prelude show uh, for um, Victory Road, which is in White Plains, which I will be at second row. Awesome! And That'll I be bet so much fun. And I bet there'll be air conditioning.
1: <laughs> Thank the what Lord. Is
0: White it is the Westchester County Civic Center or whatever. So uh, anyway. Um. So, uh, obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at uh Scott C. Popfather. But please follow the brand on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. We do wrestling time travel every day. We go back in time on this date in wrestling history and see what big shows happened. Um, and, of course, all the great shows. We have a great week coming up this week. We'll have a new episode of Through the Looking Glass. Um, we hope you enjoyed yesterday, or I should say this past Friday, a new episode of NWA Rock and Roll Dropped. Later this week, new episode of um, uh, Highway to the Impact Zone. Just every day, jam-packed full of stuff. Great content uh, from your old reliable, the PTB Wrestling Network. And, of course, join the other, the other sister brother feeds as well. Of course, the North-South Connection, uh, which includes the Jenny position, as well as the PTB Pop Experience. Um, have a great uh, week, everybody. Um, and Enjoy the rest of your August. Steve and I will be back in September, maybe with Kevin Kelly, maybe. Maybe with the other guest I want us to have on. Um, And we'll talk about something awesome in the history of Ring of Honor. So clean up the streamers. Let's shake hands. Let's shut off the lights. And next week, next month, more Pot of Honor. Just don't care. Won't bother explaining. It goes nowhere. Just know tomorrow won't come if I instinctively. Suffering is the result of a game. Victory at the cost of pain. At the freight train, you're tied to the track.